Welcome to The Lex Factor, a lawfully good podcast where we'll brief you on the business of law so you can build a better practice and capture more billable hours. Hello again, everyone, and welcome back to another edition of the Lex Factor podcast, where you get to learn how you can get more billable hours, increase revenue, increase staff and client satisfaction for your law firm. I am Randy Shorefighty, your fill-in host again. I am the Senior Manager of PR and Communications for Lexicon. And to my left, so for everyone out there in podcast land, just think of turning to your left, and there is... Brad Pobble, the co-host. That I really have no other title. That's oh. what it comes down to, just co-host. <laughs> That's right. It's not even a real word. It's just abbreviations. Exactly really. right. Co-host, yes. Exactly. That's true. You're probably not used to hearing my voice predominantly at the beginning of any episode of The Lex Factor. That's because our normal, well, I shouldn't say our normal, one of our regular hosts, Lauren Hoffman, is out of the office today. And so I am pinch hitting for her. Uh, just as I've done for Mr. Pauble whenever he hasn't been able to join us. So uh, Lauren will be back soon. Today, our guest again is Mr. Dave Whiteside, who is the Director of Client Growth and Success at Clients First Consulting. And we are continuing our discussion on CRM, which does not stand for can't remember much. There you go. So it's a good segue. Dave was with us on a previous episode talking about CRM, you know, maybe giving us a 30,000 foot view. But today we're going to talk about a very, very integral part of any CRM platform, and that is data quality. So Dave, welcome back to the Lex Factor. Guys, thank you very much. It's great to be back with you. I'm so glad you're back. It's it's great to see you. It's been so long. I feel like I feel like we've been apart too long, Dave. And, and and our CRM journey That's is right. is not complete. You left us hanging right. in the last episode. That's separation anxiety. Okay? It is. It is. You know what? I I actually went back after that episode that we had and tried to look at a CRM to see if I could have your contact information so I could call you. But because I didn't have one, you didn't I, have a I, Rolodex. I, I did. I was. couldn't find you, and and I was like, I need I need that Dave time to talk about CRM. <laughs> um, before we get started, though, on our very first question that Randy's going to dive into over there, I thought, Dave, why don't you tell us just a little bit about yourself, if that's okay? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I've been working in the uh, marketing technology arena of uh, in the legal field for uh, over 20 years. So I've been around these CRM systems for a long time, uh, worked on uh, both the what I'll call the manufacturer vendor side for a while at Thomson Reuters. And for the last four years, I've been here with Clients First Consulting. Mm -hmm. And uh, really, it's uh, it's been a great experience, a great people here at Clients First. Uh, the What we are, just to kind of kind of give a shameless plug for ourselves. Shameless here, advertisement. <laughs> right shameless here. plug is uh, we are CRM success consultants. And by that, I mean, we focus mostly on the people and process side of how to make CRM successful because we don't sell any CRM product and we work with all the different CRMs that are available and which one is the right one for any given client? Well, that's that's in the eye of the beholder, but how you make it successful does have a lot of common threads across all the different systems. And so that's what we really focus on, mm -hmm. helping firms get it right. In fact, I 
my pitch uh, to uh, to a firm is typically most of the time a law firm and a, a chief marketing officer, for example, might roll out one or two CRMs in their whole career. We've done it hundreds of times. Right. So much like much like somebody hires a lawyer because they want somebody. In fact, I when I talk about experience with a lawyer, I, I say you have to understand what your experience is because that's your product. That's what you sell. Right. Nobody ever calls a law firm and says. Do you have a law a lawyer that's never done a real estate deal that I can hire? <laughs> and so I, we we look at it the same way, you know. CRM, it's uh, there's a lot of uh, things that uh, you know it's not rocket science, but at the same time, it's got to be done right and it's got to be done correctly, and that's that's what we focus on. Awesome, Very good, wonderful, shameless plug. This episode, we're going to talk about data quality, and so a law firm can have a great CRM product platform, but if the data isn't good, isn't credible, isn't current, valid, whatever, uh, your CRM is not going to provide you the success um, and profitability that you and your firm need. So what is considered to be the oxygen of any CRM platform, Dave? I like the way you put that, the oxygen. Oh. Yeah, that's, uh, that teed <laughs> me up pretty good there. Yeah, yeah. Me up pretty good. Um, yeah I, I would tell you that high-quality data is the oxygen of any system. It is... If you ever hear like the American Heart Association will, they call high blood pressure the silent killer, right? It's you you can't feel it coming, but all of a sudden you stroke out and, and that's it. And that's kind of how a CRM system can be. It goes along, it seems like everything is fine, but all of a sudden the data has been getting worse and worse over time and it catches up with the firm. And suddenly the, the lawyers won't use it, the marketing and the events are not going well. And so you get this whole litany of things that start to to go badly that can be traced back to the fact that our data is out of sync. It's not, we haven't been updating it. And a lot of that is because if you you think about people being just people, you know what? Our lives change every year. In fact, statistically, about 30% of the contact records in a CRM system change every year. So if you've got 100,000 records in your CRM system, 30,000 of those people are going to do something this year. They're going to change jobs. They're going to get married. They're going to retire. They're going to, going to move to a new place. And so you've just got this, you know, people are people. So things happen to them and you've got to be able to, to have a process for how do we keep up with the changes that are going on in our system. When we're talking data mm-hmm. and you mentioned data records or whatever, that's the data surrounding, you know, a law firm's clients. What could be in a in a law firm's database? Because there there may be some attorneys or legal staff out there. Well, data, data is information. What what kind of information? Just some examples for our audience, Dave. Yeah. Uh, well, typically, what goes into your CRM system is contact information for who the attorneys know. And what I often use, and and I and this is how I explain it to a room full of lawyers, is they say, "Well, we don't understand how does this work, and why do we need? What, why is this data quality so important?" And I say, well, there's 30 of you in this room. Everybody give me your mobile phone right now. I will bet any of you a fancy dinner that more than half of the contacts in your telephone right now, in in your mobile, are out of date, incomplete, and inaccurate in some fashion. Anybody want to bet 50%? Nobody ever does. They all know they're out of date. Mm -hmm. And, and, And everybody collects junk in there, right? 
In fact, people put their credit card numbers, their airline accounts, they hotel accounts, they girlfriends, you know, they, they got all sorts of stuff in those in those mobile phones. Well, those mobile phones is oftentimes what ends up in a CRM system. What happens in, in is people, you guys probably do this, I know I do this. If somebody changes or something, I just create a new record for them. I don't actually go in and edit out the old one and things right. like that. Very few people do that. Right. So but you can't have that in a CRM system because now what you're going to be doing is you're going to be emailing all these old dead addresses and you're, and you're going to be missing people and, and all sorts of things that, uh, you know, that are just bad for business happen. And there's something about a, a lawyer can look in his own mobile phone and there's all sorts of bad data. And for some reason, because it's his bad data, it doesn't bother him. But if he looks in a CRM system <laughs> and sees bad data, it's a three-point approach. The data is bad. That makes the system bad. That means I'm not using it. Mm-hmm. And they quickly make that judgment and leap. And and your CRM system is now in trouble. Right. In right. I could definitely see that. I know it, uh, not to jump too much to the IT side of things, but, you know, I can't help it from my, my current role. <laughs> uh, but, you know, with any software implementation, there's these best practices. There's these levels of understanding of collecting information, just the right information. Because, Dave, what you're telling me isn't just true about a CRM. It's true about just about every piece of software. You know, that that's the way that it occurs. You know, when you're collecting asset information, when you're collecting anything. So you have Mm -hmm. to have that right balance of where you're getting the information, uh, where it's automated, where, how is it upkeep, all of those different things. So with that, what are some of the most challenging obstacles to making this success and data-driven marketing? First off, we look at uh, bad data in, in basically two general flavors. There's what we call data contamination, and contamination is, it can happen in a number of ways, but it's basically something that you do to your data. You imported a list that was bad. You integrated with a system that had bad data in it. Uh, a new, you allowed a new hire to come in and put contacts in that are out of date. Uh, migration projects sometimes go bad. Um, so there's certain things, and, and we call that contamination because you basically inflicted that on your system. The other type is we call it data degradation. And that's where I'm talking about 30% of contacts change each year. People get hired, fired, promoted. They change jobs, et cetera. New phones, all that stuff. (laughs) Um, So those those things happen, but that's more of a degradation. That's a natural occurrence. Mm -hmm. So, but those are really the two ways that uh, the data goes bad. How that manifests itself in a system is you end up with duplicates, Things that are out of date and incorrect—they're um, just incomplete. I mean, how many how many people just put in its its first name, last name, mobile phone is all that record has? Me and so we don't know anything else. I do about. that. I'm sorry, Dave. I do that. <laughs> I, 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 yeah. I that's what I say. If, ever, if I looked at everybody's mobile phone for incomplete, there's a lot of those in there. I, I, not to take us off topic, yeah. Dave. I know you're on a roll there, but I feel like if I would look at your phone, it would have every single one of those contacts <laughs> filled out. Like yeah. like you have one in there for Brad that says, you know, uh, bald, short. Uh, <laughs> here's his cell phone number. Here's his address. <laughs> you know, I I feel like I'm like I feel like you have all that information now. No, I, my, my phone probably feels like the shoemaker's kid. But, uh, <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to no. derail you. Keep going there, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> 
but that's kind of how data goes bad. And then, you know, the business effect of that, right? So, you, you know, you've got these duplicates and things, but the business effect of all that, the ripple effect, we call it the domino effect, in fact, where you get it. Now you've got ineffective marketing campaigns and you can't target correctly and your lists aren't well, good. And, you know, you end up with uh, incorrect analytics. And so what we do when we work with, uh, with clients is we've got a number of, you know, we just consider best practices and things to have good data to share a few of those. I mean, you got to have a, a data quality plan. You know, what's the plan and the process and how are we going to go about this? And one of the things that we, we look at as a real best practice that we, we, we really insist our firms, firms have this or we can't help them with data quality because uh, we, we do a lot of data quality outsourcing. We're actually the data stewards for a lot of law firms and things like that, um, is you have to have a standards and styles guide. And because inconsistent data, it may not be incorrect, but it's still difficult to use and it doesn't necessarily look good. And it can be as simple as you've got some that say VP and the, and the next one says vice president, but you really should standardize that. But there are other types of standards and styles that really do have big issues with them. And they're a lot more difficult. For example, getting the courts correct, getting judges names and titles correct. Um, there's a lot of, of intricacies around law where there are places that people really need to pay close attention that, you know what, it's, it, you, can, you can still, that judge might still receive that invitation, but if it's got the information kind of crooked looking, crummy looking, it just doesn't, it's not a good look. Right. And mm -hmm. so you got, you got an issue there. And so we, you know, so we want to have a standard style guide you can, and you can share that with the firm. You can train people on it, whether they use it or not, another question, but certainly want to do that. And then of course, you've got your, your data stewarding. And we do that in two ways. There are certain things you can do automated today. There's a lot of systems today that, you know, will connect up to a CRM system and they'll match up contacts to a database. And we use a number of those to, to help out. Uh, we find that none of them are perfect. In fact, all of them are nowhere near perfect, but they are a big help because if we had a project where let's say you had to clean 100,000 contacts, if I could match 30,000 of those in a database in five minutes, well, that saves weeks of work of manual effort. Right. So it's, it's faster, it's, it's less expensive. And then the question becomes, well, what do I do with the other 70,000? Well, for that, typically there's good old fashioned data stewarding. Mm -hmm. And somebody actually goes to LinkedIn and websites and places like that and has to has to look it up. Right. And so it's one of those really costs of a CRM system that if you're not prepared to invest in data quality, you probably shouldn't invest in CRM because it's just a matter of time. You know, you'll get the thing rolled out. Once that bad data creeps in, it, it sneaks up on you and it kills the system. People quit using it. And so it, it really just becomes a wasted effort. So I, it's just one of those uh, investments you have to make in CRM. As I'm listening to you, to your answer, Dave, to Brad's questions, I'm thinking I go back to the term you use, contamination and degradation. Degradation is just a matter of time, whereas contamination mm -hmm. is more, uh, and if I'm wrong, please correct me, contamination is, uh, is hu I'm going to say human error, but it's more human-related. And it almost seems like that we, you know, the employees of a law firm or any business could be their own worst enemy. And then that kind of leads me, you know, into, you know, how can a law firm or an attorney, if it's a solo practice, how can those individuals prevent themselves from being overwhelmed when it comes to considering the scope of a, 
of a data quality project within their CRM system. Yeah, it, it's uh, it, it can look daunting. There's no question about it. I mean, if you were staring at 100,000 contacts and you're thinking, gee, if I had nothing else to do for the next six months, I could actually fix all these. If I could go th- spend six months going through my phone with 3,000 contacts in it, I could fix all those. So what we do is we often recommend to firms, let's prioritize your data. Let's not try to boil the ocean and and fix everybody because every contact is not as valuable as the next. In fact, you have some contacts in your system that are worth millions of dollars potentially to your firm. You have others that aren't worth two cents. In fact, they probably have a negative cost to them. And so how do we go about separating out the wheat from the chaff here? And so we'll work with firms on a number of, of things. If they have an ERM system uh, and there's relationship strength is a, is a gauge that, uh, that we can use, we'll, we'll look for those with the strongest relationships to the lawyers that are being communicated with regularly. We will often help them go through and say, well, let's take your top 100, 200, 500 clients, whatever it is. In fact, let's take a list of clients that make up 80% of the firm's revenue and let's focus on those because if if that's 80% of the revenue, you have to have these contacts right. And statistically speaking, we've done this with a lot of firms. If you had 100,000 contacts, probably less than 10,000 of those actually belong to one of your top 80% clients, Right. Mm-hmm. which which is interesting. You'd, you'd think, how can that be? But it just is. It, it, just, it just works out that way. So you've got this other 90,000 contacts that I don't want to say they're invaluable. Somehow they got in there but they're just not as critical to the firm. And so we can kind of push those aside and deprioritize them and maybe work on those over time. Uh, We, you know, maybe figure out uh, who do they belong to and ask them, you know, do you you need these? Can we, can we get rid of these people? Do you even know them anymore? Um, Dave says that about me, Randy. Oh, does he? He does. Okay. (laughs) Did, was it right out loud? Yeah, this, <laughs> this, this is his uh, nice way of letting me know. I can feel it. I can feel it building up right now. <laughs> Next, I'm going to hear it. The it's it's not you. It's me. It's me. Yeah, yeah. But uh, but no. But, so we what we want to do is work with firms to figure out how do we decide where do we invest your budget in data quality, because it's not endless. The the resources and the money are not endless. So we have to make sure that we spend right. it wide. Well, Dave, I you know paint this picture for you. I have a firm. I've let my information go downhill. It's not where it needs to be. You just gave us some interesting concepts about where to focus to fix. But is there more to a treatment plan than that? Is there? Can you give us anything else? Like how do I take that information and get us on the right track again? Well, on the right track could be different things to different people, but. Uh, you know, what we would do typically is we would export that out, clean it up, uh, export it back in, uh, or some, some CRM systems have the tools inside there to, to clean it up. Um, but what we would say is, I mean, this is kind of the, the plan that I would, would tell somebody. I'd say, first off, you can't boil the ocean. You know what? So let's look for the low-hanging fruit. Let's look for the opportunities to clean up lists. Uh, things like that. It's, uh, you know, let's clean up valuable information. We would do a data quality assessment. You know, we can go through and, and we have testing mechanisms where we can kind of take a snapshot of, of, a, of a data set. 
and give you an idea of how good or bad is it, you know, almost grade it, if you will. Mm -hmm. um, so that's, that's always a good thing to have because then you, you kind of know, what am I looking at? What do I have to invest in here? And what kind of resources do I have to dedicate at that point? So, you know, the style guide, I think it's important to have the style guide and then uh, keep working at it, you know, work at it all the time. If you have to hire from the outside, consider it. Um, oftentimes it's just cheaper to outsource certain things. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I, and I assure you the one job, if, there, if there's a team of marketing people and someone says, Hey, I need you to start spending 10 hours a week cleaning up the data in our system. <laughs> you, you're not going to have a, a instant raise of hands. You're not, you're no, not you know, there's, there, there are, there's virtually zero volunteers and the person <laughs> that is assigned to suddenly, uh, suddenly disappears. The intern. Um, That's what it is. It's it, interns. <laughs> yeah. It's, it, 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 it's, it's interesting how, uh, cause we hire, we probably have 80 or 90 people that work on our staff as outsourced data stewards that we contract out. Mm -hmm. And when we, and believe it or not, when we interview for those people, I mean, we're looking for people who like to do crossword puzzles and meticulous. You know, yeah. Yeah. They're, they, they like that type of thing where, uh, where other people, you know, big picture people, things like that, mm -hmm. you, they, they would rather saw their arm off and sit there and do <laughs> these records. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can understand that. <laughs> so it's sometimes you have to look at your personnel and, and say, you know, do I have somebody that's really like this? I see other firms where, you know, it could be a good use. You know, you can tell the lawyers, why don't you have your assistants do this? Well, they hate it too. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's just a job. You know, it's, a, it's one of those, it, it ought to be on that. What's that TV program where for the bad jobs? Yeah. Uh, the, Oh, nobody yeah. wants to do this. It's, you know, garbage collecting. Hard jobs or something like that? or Yeah. Exactly. Mm -hmm. It ought to be on, on something like that because it really takes a unique type of individual. And it takes a unique type of attention uh, to, mm -hmm. to do it well. Right. So uh, so it's it's just, but it is, it's a hidden cost and a, and a, and a hidden piece of work that goes along but with a But it's important, right. It's critical. Yeah. It's absolutely critical. So let's broaden the topic a little bit from a security compliance perspective. Let's sure. talk uh, GDRP or GDPR, uh, you know, CASL. Um, <laughs> let, let's keep going. You know, where, where, where can we go uh, next? PCI. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, socks. you're right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's, that's, uh, those are letters, but it's all Latin to me. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, no, you're, you're right on because it, this is more recent in the last few years, but with data privacy, and, uh, and, and a lot of the things that go along with that, we've now got regulatory issues mm -hmm. that, uh, that go along with data quality. So, for example, it isn't enough now just to have a clean record. Now, you, some, sometimes, depending on the, the person and the location, you have to have permission to have their information. And you right. have to have permission to, to mail them things and right. put them on a list and or invite them to the Even when it, where it's stored. Exactly. And how it's stored and how long you store it. Right. So all those things come into play. The three biggest ones that impact the U.S. right now, there's no national law in the United States about how you have to do that. There is in, in Europe, we have what's called GDPR, and, uh, and that has very specific regulations. It only applies if you're emailing uh, people and keeping information of people that are in Europe. But at the same time, you know, maybe smaller firms don't have anybody like that, 
But it's very easy for a bigger firm to have people like that in sure, their database. Yeah, of course. You've got, you know, if you've got hundreds of attorneys, the chances of them knowing somebody in Europe is pretty good. And so far, we haven't seen uh, a lot of uh, business-to-business uh, issues with this. Mostly, it's been the, the consumer-to-business uh, has been the biggest culprit, but we see it coming. And here in the United States, what uh, we've had is... Uh, well, the, the, the California Consumer Privacy Act, CCPA, came into effect a year or two ago, and that's a little bit more stringent than the GDPR. So mm-hmm. if you had GDPR, you didn't have to make a lot of changes, but you had to enhance it to communicate with people in California. And something that's on the ballot for November of this year out in California is something called CalPRA, which, uh, which actually, uh, I can't remember exactly what it stands for, the California Privacy Rights Act or something like that. Okay. And that's going to be an enhancement to the CCPA in California. And so California is kind of becoming the bellwether, you know, the canary in the coal mine, whatever you want to call it, for this type of, of legislation in the United States. And then, of course, Canada has had for several years what they call the Canadian Anti-Spam Law Castle. And uh, that also has some uh, some limitations around it. So if you have clients or contacts in uh, Canada, you need to be somewhat aware of that. Again, they pay more attention to the you know what we'll call the spammers, the consumer type of uh, issue rather than the business to business. But yeah, these are all things that firms have to be aware of. And as they're putting together lists and emailing people, because maybe it hasn't happened a lot, but technically, it doesn't take much to draw an infraction on this. It just, sure. it, it's very easy to do. Each one of these could be their own podcast. There's quite a bit detail with it. There, there is. And there are, there are absolutely people out there that know more about it than I do. And uh, they'd be great guests for you. Dave, but, you're, you're uh, our, our expert here. So <laughs> you, you really can't back away from that. I I, just like your text said that you just sent me, you, you're like, invite me back for a third meeting. I can talk about GDPR. <laughs> yeah. I have it right here. I don't know. No. And, I'm just and, and, and to be honest, I, I, I didn't know there, there was this level of compliance or regulatory, uh, I'm going to say activity, but I just didn't know that there was this level of compliance around it. Oh yeah. I mean, I, I know you have to have permission to, to store the data, and I know there's you have to have permission to use it in a certain way or whatever, but I'm I'm just sitting here listening and just in awe. Yeah. Of all of this, I we we had a uh, pretty good sized firm uh, just a, a couple of months ago that uh, really hadn't done what they needed to do around some of these things. So we were consulting with them and kind of going through some of the things, the best practices, and some of the things that they really need to be put in place. And I mentioned to him, I said isn't privacy law one of the big practices in your firm? And they said, yeah. And I said, I said, I, if I were you, I would go talk to that practice and I'd go talk to your firm general counsel and I'd have a discussion around what you guys are doing here and figure it out. And two days later, they were told, do not mail anything to anybody. Wow. Yeah. I mean, because, you know, now you're talking about the reputation of the firm, right? If that yeah. firm gets caught, it's like, you know, that practice is dead. And so, uh, you know, you know, even even firms that you would think would be on the on the cutting edge of all that, some mm-hmm. of them are not. 
So even though their attorneys are very knowledgeable, there was just a disconnect internally. Right. So, uh, you know, we so talk you know, if that happened. Right. Yeah. We talk about the Randy, the, you know, regulations around data. There's other regulations, too, around phone system. I mean, oh, yeah. there's just so many different areas that regulations cover. It's it's actually, frankly, quite a bit to consider and think about. It's it's important. I, I keep trying to figure out how Randy calls me. I've got him blocked. I, <laughs> I, 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 well, you know, I don't want to give any secrets away, so I'll just, it's I'll keep, I'll keep one that of those marketing that. secrets. That's right. You get through the block. It's part of, it's part of my uh, power, my marketing power base. Power user. That's right. That's I'm right. a power user. <laughs> you know, in, 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 in preparing for this episode, it just didn't, it just didn't come up. I'm like compliance and regulatory. Well, of course. And I just never thought of it. Yeah, it's a, it's a big topic. It's something to be mindful and to really truly understand. And frankly, some of them are just not easy to understand. And no, really, they're, they're very difficult. Yeah. And I, I tell a lot of firms, I say, you know, think of this the same way that you think of the, the Bar Association advertising rules. Yeah. It's, it, it has a similar feel to it. It's not always easy to understand it and, and make sure you're in full compliance but but it is really important to make sure that you focus on it. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Dave. Yeah, I'm enlightened. I I know some about CRM, but I I mean personally, I again I don't want to sound like a broken record, but the whole regulatory and compliance issues around it it's just amazing. Randy, we don't use records anymore. No, I'm sorry. That's right. That's they're okay. they're CDs, right? You're supposed to when you your Rolodex goes away. The records. well, we can put it on CDs then, right? <laughs> oh. You want to put them on cassettes? <laughs> cassettes. <laughs> Oh my God. Get your mixtape out. No, an eight track. No, I was, yeah, Dave. Dave beat me to it. I was just gonna say, let's just go all the way back to eight yeah. tracks. Heck, you didn't have to rewind eight, eight tracks, no. did you? No, that wasn't. Imp- you could press a button and go to to the other side. Exactly. Yeah, I remember eight tracks. Yes, my brother still has a working eight track player. Wow, incredible. But anyway, but what's also incredible the amount of information that Dave Whiteside shared with us today. Uh, not just in this episode, but a previous episode talking about CRM, Customer Relationship Management. Uh, at the close of every Lex Factor episode, we like to talk about three takeaways. And from from my notes, you know, from the very top, and Dave and Brad just jump in as I as I go through the list here. Number one, data. It is the oxygen of any CRM system, and to make sure that your CRM system is breathing clean oxygen, you have to make sure that there is no contamination nor degradation with your data. A second point, and Dave provided a a wonderful overview, making sure you have clean data, it takes a treatment plan. Know what that treatment plan is. Uh, Not just putting a treatment plan together, but make sure you budget for that treatment plan because there there could be some hard dollar expenses realized, correct, Dave? Correct. And finally, remember compliance and regulatory issues. You, you don't want to run afoul because your CRM is, is a wonderful marketing tool for your law firm. And if you run afoul of any compliance or regulatory compliance or regulations, then you won't be able to use your CRM to its fullest benefit. And so that brings us to the close of yet another Lex Factor episode. 
I am your co-host, your filling co-host, Randy Shorefighter with Brad Pauble. Does that mean I'm a co-co-host? No, nah, you're still a co-host. Okay, all right. Yeah, you're no. If there, if anyone is a co-co-host, it's myself. Because <laughs> remember, I'm just a fill-in. You and you and Lauren oh. just have the co in front of the host. You guys oh, okay. are the regular co-hosts. Okay. So, right. we want to thank Dave Whiteside, Director of Client Growth and Success from Clients First Consulting. Dave gave us a wonderful journey into the world and realm of CRM. Dave, we want to thank you for joining us. Thank you, guys. Great to be with you. It was really good to see you again, Dave. Yeah. And so as and as we close out this episode of the Lex Factor, remember to listen, like, and subscribe to the Lex Factor where you find podcasts on iTunes, Spotify, and then you can also go to our website at lexiconservices.com. And if you have any questions about this episode or any other episode of The Lex Factor, go ahead and send us an email in the Contact Us portion on our website, and we'll be happy to get back to you as soon as we can. So for this episode of The Lex Factor, I'm Randy Shorefighty for Brad Pobble. Thank you for joining us, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks for tuning in to The Lex Factor. Lexicon takes care of business so you can take care of law. Learn how to build a better practice at lexiconservices.com.